The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas. At VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's interview right now, just go to VeritasRadio.com, click on the subscribe button, and you can choose from many subscription types. If you want three months, six months, nine months, a year, two years whatever works for you. But it's now time that you give yourself the gift of truth. And tonight's special guest is a veteran of this radio show, our good friend, Max Egan. Right now on Veritas. Max Egan is a radio talk show host, researcher, artist, musician, philosopher, free thinker, champion for the truth, and a true renaissance man. Max is the man behind the website thecrowhouse.com, which is filled with great information for those seeking the truth, and very does listeners know, and certainly they are seeking the truth. And directly from the land down under, I'm really, really privileged to welcome our friend and brother in truth, Max Egan. Hello, Max, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I'm good, Mel. Thanks you very much for having me on again, brother. It's always a pleasure to come and talk to you. Oh, it's always a privilege and a pleasure to have you on. You know, I follow your travels. I, I know that recently you were some, somehow under the weather. Uh, are you better now? Oh, look, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm about 30% of what I should be. Uh, I've just, uh, I'm recovering from meningitis, which is a very, very <sighs> serious illness. Uh, put me in bed for 10 days. Uh, just dropped me like a stone and uh, nearly died, actually, Mel. So uh, I'm lucky to be here talking to you. Absolutely, I, I, I am recovering. I'm getting, I'm getting better every day. Every day is like a one or two percent improvement. So it's, it's good. And I, I, I can feel <laughs> what it feels because a few years ago I was telling this to you offline. I uh, was having headaches for days. I couldn't see the light. Went to the doctor, and they said you have a sinus infection. And I said sinus infection, but I don't have any congestion. Well, went back home two days later. I was my fever was so high, I was delirious. I was probably having a, a, a. It was incredible. So went to the emergency room, and another doctor said to me, "It seems like you have meningitis. We may have to do a spinal tap on you," which I refused. So they made me sign a release because they said you can actually die when you go home. Obviously, it was viral meningitis. I presume that's what you had too. Yeah, yeah, it was very bad, very bad. 
You know, the reason why I mentioned this is because we have Ebola now. We'll discuss this whole Ebola thing with so much mixed diagnosis in the United States. Shouldn't the World Health Organization call that a pandemic too? Is a misdiagnosis of medical, you know, practice a huge pandemic too? Well, yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, but they call anything a pandemic, Mel. Remember a couple of years ago with the swine flu, there were oh, 20 yeah. cases? 20 cases, cases, and the World Health Organization called a level six pandemic. Level six, that's right. You know, I mean, 20 people. I mean, you wouldn't, wouldn't, I mean, malaria is more of a pandemic than uh, than Ebola or anything. I mean, malaria is all over the globe. Why don't we call a pandemic on that? I mean, it, it's ridiculous, really, the way they, they, they do these things, you know. You know, with the swine flu, I remember, as you said, uh, just a few cases around the world. In the United States alone, that year alone, the year before, thousands of people died of the regular flu. Why was why wasn't the WHO putting a pandemic level for that and and and, and stopping the borders? People, tourists coming here. I remember how Mexico was affected by that whole shebang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all about fear porn. Mel is what it's really about. That's that's what a lot of this Ebola scare is. I think it's just fear, fear, fear. Put the fear in the people. Get them expecting uh, an outbreak of some terrible disease. I think it's very interesting that the American CDC actually owns the patent on Ebola. I mean, what's that doing there? You know, so you got to wonder about this. And, and you know, the, the, we're hearing of thousands of people dying from Ebola. I haven't seen one picture of one body that's been bled out. I haven't seen any of this stuff. I've, I know people all around the world, and um, they're saying that they're not seeing any of it where they are. So I wonder about the whole thing. How much of it's it's just fabricated? You know. You know, part of my circle of friends, uh, Max, are medical doctors. So I told two of them last weekend, the other day, that the CDC owns the patent to one of the strains of the Ebola virus. So they asked me, okay, Mr. Conspiracy Theorist, are you saying the CDC created the virus? And I said, no, but why would they own the patent to it if they did not? That made exactly. them think, Max. Exactly. That's what I said on my show last week. I said, um, am I suggesting that they created it? No, but the patent is suggesting that they did. Otherwise, why does the patent exist? I mean, where did this thing come from? What's its purpose? You know, Isn't Obviously, someone patented a virus. You know, it's, it's, they're telling us. I mean, it's right there for, for all to see. You know, And I'm not, like you say, so I'm not saying they created it, but the patent says they did. Well, isn't that telling us that it is a bioweapon? Of course. It is a bioweapon. And, you know, whether it's as dangerous as they say it is, I mean, I don't know, the, the amount of quarantine and locking down they're doing, like this nurse they've locked up for 21 days for the incubation period, she's going to sue the U.S. government for being locked up for 21 days. Anybody who's got a sniffle, anybody who's got a cough, they're just quarantining whole aircrafts of people. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the world's sort of gone mad in the last six months. Have you noticed? It's, it's uh, out of control with ISIS. I mean, there's so much going on now. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, I really think the, uh, the powers that believe they be are running scared and they're just bringing everything that they can out of the box and, and throwing it all at us to try to keep us locked down. My wife and, and daughter, about a month and a half or two ago, we came back from being out of town, out of the country, and I think we just drank the water somewhere else when we got sick. And we, we, we displayed all the symptoms of Ebola on the plane. And days later is when the whole Ebola thing started. If we had arrived a few days later, we'd probably be quarantined still right now. But you just came back from uh, your journey throughout uh, Europe, I believe. You said you were mainly an observer during this trip. What did you observe? What did you find different this time? 
Well, I was just really interested in looking at the programming with people and, and hearing what they were discussing about. And it's really interesting, the programming through Europe. You know, I mean, Europe is, a, is an amazing place because it's such a small community, really. I mean, I come from Australia and, and all of Europe is, is half the size of Australia. So when I travel across Europe, I don't really feel like I'm traveling anywhere. I'm kind of just, just driving from one town to the next in Australia, you know, in these same circumstances. So it's really interesting seeing uh, the level of programming in each particular country and the differences in each particular country. There's a massive amount of fear in Europe, and mainly of their governments. Everybody's in, in, in fear of their governments. And there's this huge um, uh, anti-Islam uh, program that's just running everywhere, which is uh, quite shocking, really. I mean, the, as a result of ISIS and all this sort of stuff. And if you look at ISIS, I mean, ISIS, this is a, a Western-controlled operation, absolutely. It's got nothing to do with Islamism. It's a Western-controlled operation which is designed to uh, create World War III, you know, turn the world against uh, the Muslim world. And again, of course, once we've exterminated the Muslim world, then, of course, it will turn to the Christian world and it'll get rid of them as well. So it's really interesting seeing how this is playing out through Europe. And just the level of programming that they have. I was amazed in Germany, actually, the programming in Germany the, uh, the the guilt of the German people is is so uh, ingrained into their psyche that you can't even suggest to them that they may you know, they should maybe uh, look at things a little differently. You, you cannot tell them that they're not guilty. They they uh, have to be guilty. They they you know they they it's, it's who they are. It's their whole personality. It's their whole culture. It's absolutely amazing to see. Uh, I think the people in Germany have been brutalized actually, and um, it was amazing. It was really interesting to just sort of step back and just sort of. Be in conversations, but not really be part of the conversation. It's just sort of listen to what everybody else is talking about and just sort of see where they're going and, and where their consciousness is, you know. And uh, a lot of the world's unfortunately still asleep. I mean, there are pockets of resistance. There are pockets of uh, wakefulness all, all around the place. But even those who are awake in inverted commas, many of them uh, are only half awake. You know, many of them are still looking for the way out. They can't see that the way out lies with them. You know, it's a personal thing. We can all do it, but we all have to participate. Everyone's waiting for someone to come along and, and present the silver bullet to them, you know. So that's that's interesting. One of the reasons why I love to have you on, Max, is because I don't have to fear what I'm going to say. You know, I, I, I don't like to censor. Sometimes I have tact in what I'm saying to the guests because they may not be on board with certain topics. So with you, I can just open the door and, and get everything out without any, any fear of repercussion. But speaking of ISIS or ISIL or whatever you want to call it these days, just like Monsanto changed the name of NutraSuite to AminoSuite to hoodwink people, did they, quote unquote, they change the name Al-Qaeda to ISIS? Well, it's the same group of people. I mean, really, you know, Al-Qaeda was a Western fabrication, the whole, the whole lot of it all, all the way. And when you look at ISIS, I mean, these are the rebels that they used to overthrow Libya and they went over and they destabilized Syria and now they're rampaging through Iraq. I mean, uh, the American and, and uh, Israeli interests want to go in and bomb the hell out of these countries, and, and they've been getting a massive backlash from their population to do it. So right on cue, we have these, uh, these ISIL or ISIS uh, militants suddenly arrive. And you look at the, uh, the head of ISIS, al-Baghdadi, he's already been uh, pointed out as being a Jewish Mossad agent by uh, a French report, and it's also the Chechen, uh, the Chechen president has just named him as a CIA asset. 
So, I mean, this is uh, when you look at when you look at ISIL, what they're doing, they're, they're rampaging across all of these countries that the West wants to go in and bomb, and they're killing everybody. They're, they're not. They're, they're saying these guys are Islamic extremists, but they're not. They're just extremists, Islamic only in name, because they do not represent Islam at all. They're killing uh, Islamic people. They're killing Muslims. They're killing Christians. They're killing Jews. They're killing everybody, and they're doing everything against what it is to be a Muslim. They're they're disobeying the Quran and as many ways as they possibly can. So why these people would be named as Muslim extremists, it's, it's ridiculous. They're not Muslim extremists at all. They're just extremists. When you really look at it, it's, it's a group that's been put together by someone who hates Muslims because the, the whole operation is designed to vilify Muslims and create a war against the Muslim world. Oh, I'm losing your audio, Max. Max. How about, can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. Listen, I, I know where this conversation is going, and I expect some of the electronic disturbances that may happen throughout the conversation. Go ahead, please. Yeah, you get that, don't you? It's funny that. But um, um, what you get with this, I mean, there is a Christian group, of course, isn't there, called Blackwater, which changed their name to Z, run by a fundamental Christian extremist called Eric Prince. Yeah. I would suggest that uh, this is the man behind a lot of the ISIS stuff. I'd say that most of ISIS are Mossad, Blackwater, Z, CIA. There's, uh, you can see pictures of these guys. You see pictures of the uh, um, Israeli police uh, arresting youths in the West Bank, and they look, they've got black balaclavas, they've got Palestinian cloths around their neck. They look exactly like the ISIS fighters. Amazing that. There's also a photograph I've got of an ISIS fighter on the back of a truck who has a U.S. Army tattoo on his arm. You know, these guys are Blackwater mercs. These guys are groups of people who hate Muslims. And, of course, once you start a group like this and you start rampaging across the country, it's really easy to bring extremists in and all these sorts of disgruntled people are going to want to join. And so it ends up being this hodgepodge of extremists and this and that. I mean, there's always going to be religious extremists that come in and do the wrong thing. They're going to just want to – they've got all this this animosity in them, all this hatred, all this fire. They want to go in and do something. So they join these groups. But it's where does the group come from you've got to look at? What what purpose does this group serve? It doesn't serve Islam in any way. What it does is it serves Western interests. Therefore, it's a Western-run group. Of course it is. I mean, someone tell me how this benefits Islam. How this does anything to Islam, Islamic State. I mean, what is this? And why, if, if this is an Islamic State, why are they killing so many Muslims? Why are they doing everything they can against the Quran? Why are they, they destroying the name of Islam right around the world and turning the whole world against Islam? What are they, yeah, this, this group of rebels seriously think they can take on the United States, the most powerful military in the world? Of course they don't. It's a joke. It's, it's all been cooked up to whip up Western fervor and, and whip up Western sentiment and anti-Islamic sentiment. And if you really look at it, I mean, I think uh, Israel's got a, a big hand in all of this because if you look at the plan, it's always been to destroy the Muslim world and then to turn around and destroy the Christian world. That's what it's all about. And uh, I think that uh, we, we really need to look at Israel in, in this whole situation to see where this is coming from. And it came on right on cue as Israel was actually imploding because of its actions into Gaza. Right on cue comes ISIS and all of the attention is suddenly diverted to this terrible terrorist organization, which is a, a radical Islamist organization that we must destroy because it is such a threat to Israel. And yet it seems to attack everybody except Israel. What's going on there? You know, I years ago I visited Granada in the southern uh, southern part of Spain, and uh, I was close to the the Palace of Alhambra. And walking the streets with the tour guide, I noticed there were mosques 
churches and synagogues right next to each other. And I said, mm. wait a second, this doesn't make sense. And I said to, to her, the people at one point in time practice their religion freely like this? Oh, yeah. Years ago, people used to, you know, when the Moors used to be around here, they would practice their religion and they would live, you know, right next to each other in harmony. And that's during the Moors, the Moors time in southern Spain. But speaking of ISIS, and we're not blowing smoke here, folks, you can go to ISISHQ.com. Months ago, somebody sent me this this uh, uh, website. It's Integrated Systems Improvement Services, Inc. And what do they do? They provide international security and intelligence services. Their acronym mm. of ISIS. And they're right here, 45 minutes away from me in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, right next to a big, big army base. So sometimes they say the criminal heights right in front of the people, somebody shoot somebody and instead of running he stays right there so that he knows nobody will find him but what are the chances that this blackwater like company called isis is different than the real isis that's out there doing all these acts well exactly you know exactly i mean the whole thing is a western run operation it's it's very obvious that it's a western run operation you know in all of these situations you've got to ask yourself who benefits from this situation how how would the we Muslims bono. benefit from yep. this yeah we bono. who benefits from this how and and somebody point out to me how the muslim community or or even if they wanted to create an islamic state how it can benefit from the actions of isis i mean you've got okay this this group of terrible terrorists running around cutting off people's heads and doing all these things but look seriously do you really seriously think these people can take over the world of course they can't they're guys on horseback and car with light weapons you know they might have a few uh, rpgs and stuff that the united states supplies them but, I mean, you're talking about major superpowers against these people. There's no way they can, they can win. All their purpose is, is to destabilize the Middle East and pave the way for Western intervention. That's what it's all about. And the West has a track record of doing this. Whenever we want to go in somewhere, we go in and we create a terrorist organization there, and then we've got to go in and bomb them. The same as what we did in Afghanistan, the same as what happened in Iraq, the same as what's going on everywhere. So people really have to look at this and ask who benefits what would this ultimately lead to? And what it will ultimately lead to is the destruction of the Muslim world. So who wants the Muslim world destroyed? Israel. Okay, that's who wants it all done. So that's who's behind all of this. And when you look at the Greater Israel Project, I mean, listen to my friend Ken O'Keefe. Anybody out there, go to Ken O'Keefe's website and have a listen to some of the things he tells you about the Greater Israel Project. This man's been on the case for a long time. He's a dear friend of mine. I trust him implicitly. He's got a heart of gold. And he tells you all about the Greater Israel Project. And it's a real project, and it is going on. And that's who's behind all of this. It's obvious that that's who's behind all of this. And the war rhetoric that we're seeing from all of our nations now, I mean, Canada's becoming warlike. Australia's becoming warlike. Everybody wants to jump on board and go and kill ISIS, you know. It's, it's a joke, and it's just fear porn. It's just getting all of our countries involved in this conflict between East and West. That's what it's all about. And all this war rhetoric they're, they're doing with Russia now. I mean, Russia bailed the United States out 12 months ago, and now they're putting sanctions on them. I mean, it, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And Putin's been saying the same thing for the last 10 years, and no one's been listening to him, and he's getting a little frustrated now. 
And, uh, you know, I think the, the I don't think they're going to get away with it, Mel. I think the world has to stand up and pay attention. I think many, many people are now. People are realizing that this just isn't, isn't on. Our, our governments are not telling us the truth. They're not doing the right thing. They're not doing the right thing by their people. They're not doing the right thing by their countries. You know, we have, we have rogue governments. All Western governments have, have gone rogue, and that's the, the sad fact of the matter, most especially in this country. I mean, what's going on here in the last... Uh, couple of years since Tony Abbott took took the reins has been absolutely shocking. I mean, this- Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.